With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, welcome to the post-Minnesota Vikings, Detroit Lions, Purple Daily Podcast version. Only Matthew Collar and Judd Zolgad here. And I'm going to start out with a statement, Judd. And you could tell me how you feel about it. Agree, disagree. Here's my statement. Yep. The Minnesota Vikings... And all of their fans should be rooting harder for one thing than anything they've ever rooted for in their lives. Mm-hmm. Maybe equal to a Super Bowl. They should be rooting for the Detroit Lions to keep Matt Patricia as their head coach after demolishing the Lions. And wow, was this one of those games that was 20 to 7, but it was 50 to 7, right? Right demolishing, annihilating, crushing, barely had to show up to win against the Detroit Lions, who were undisciplined, who played very bizarre brand of offensive football where they ran three times in a row. They were down 20 nothing and decided to run four times in a row. Lots of weird decisions. Their defense is awful. It's one of the worst in the NFL. And I am confident that if Kirk Cousins had continued to be aggressive and throw the ball more on them, that the Vikings easily could have put up 28, 35, whatever they wanted to against the Lions. It's great to have them in your division, and they they should all send Christmas cards to Detroit. Thank you for bringing him back for another year. This is hilarious and great, and thank you for two more wins, 4-0 now against Matt Patricia, and there was a report from the Boston Globe, Judd, that he might be coming back and they might give him more time. Guess what? 6-0 against the Detroit Lions if they do next year. Thank you, Detroit. It's an absolute joke. And if the Detroit Lions bring back Patricia in 2020 and the Chicago Bears bring back Mitch Trubisky in 2020, guess what? You should have four victories right there. There's no excuses now. Um, yeah, that was that was a um, disgusting display of football. Detroit is back to being their old school. Vikings will pound them. Matt Patricia's a defensive guy, and he put that product on the field. Um, but here's my frustration with that game. You know what was nice? The Seahawks game. It was a benchmark game. So you could watch that game and you could say, and you know what? The Vikings were not a disaster on Monday night, right? So you could watch that game and say, okay, this went wrong. This went right. This went wrong. And ultimately they lost. But you also came away from that game saying, I feel like I know more about the football team I cover. Uh, Today, and this has happened to me before, but today was one of those days where you went downstairs to the locker room without any viable questions to ask Vikings players because the game told you nothing. It told you nothing. It was a, yes, a necessary win, and you could put it in your back pocket now, and you've got a win. But now with, what, three games left in the regular season, I can't tell you a damn thing more about the Vikings' defense. You know, 
You could talk, oh, look at how the defense bowed up and only gave up seven. Who cares, right? Uh, The offense, the same exact thing. Today's game told me less than a preseason game because in those games I can watch certain individuals at times and make assessments. This didn't even give me that. So your point is well taken, Matthew, but the problem is with um, four games left going into today, you'd like to get a read on things, and I can't tell you a damn thing. Okay, I've got something. Uh, maybe two things, but this is especially one thing. Delvin Cook didn't get hurt again. There is the biggest victory that you got today, other than on the scoreboard, is Delvin Cook carried the ball 18 times. He ran a touchdown. He had a couple of throws go his way and did not come away with any further injury, thus Judd proving that he can play through whatever shoulder ailment he has. But I would highly advise that the Vikings continue to split carries between him and Alexander Madison, not just because of his shoulder injury, but because Alexander Madison is really good. He runs through people. He pounds the ball. He can get to the outside when you need him. He can catch the ball as he did very well against the Seahawks at the end of that game, and he ran 14 times. Now, his yards per carry were not impressive, but a lot of times it was at the end of the game where Detroit knew the Vikings were just going to pound it up the middle, and Madison was still able to get positive yardage even when the other team knew he was going to run. I, I think I have a big enough sample size now on Alexander Madison to say he's legit and until you get to the playoffs when I would say all Delvin Cook all the time play him pretty much the whole game but until the actual postseason the way that the NFC is lining up for you is you would have to go complete kablooey uh you would have to be you would have to be the Detroit Lions bad over these last three games fall apart entirely and have other things go right for other teams, which I just do not see based on the schedules. So limit Delvin cook like they did today, split the carries with Alexander Madison and make sure that he is in good shape going into the playoffs. But that was probably the thing that I came away with here. Judd, the most is just cook looked good. He looked like he had his burst. He could run into people and he didn't get hurt. I still don't get why he played though. In this game against this team, the Detroit Lions have made, if not uh, Matt Patricia, their players have made a business decision. And I guess I'm not shocked that they're done. They're done playing football, which is why you have several guys, what, no fewer than six Lions today, hit the turf and said, oh boy, you know what? I'm not getting up. Um, So we we talked about this last week, and I still believe that it, it should have been true. I'm looking at Detroit, and I would have said, you know what? Delvin, take the week off. We don't need you today. And you didn't. He played a nice game, but my God, this was a perfect example of Madison, give him the carries. Give him what? Ultimately, if Cook doesn't play, he probably gets 25 carries, 26 carries. Give him 25 or 26 carries. So you're right. They're lucky he didn't uh, get hurt, although he, he did take a hit late in the first half and left for a while because a Lions defender, for some unknown reason, decided he was going to lower his head down and possibly suffer a concussion because he is a stupid football player. Well, coach team. Yeah, but um, I think today, more than ever, as we discussed this postgame, was a day where I would have said, you know who I don't need today probably? Delvin Cook. 
Yep, I I agree. But so, but you're very, right, he didn't get hurt. At very least, the results he did not get. He got hurt. lucky he didn't get hurt. And he showed that he can carry the football. He wasn't fumbling every time they hit him or showing really signs of hesitation. He looked like he's still Delvin Cook, even though he only averaged 3.4 yards a carry. It was still a pretty effective 3.4 yards per carry. Gets into the end zone to the outside. Like, okay, I'm good. I, yeah. I've seen Delvin. I know that he can play down the stretch here if you need him. I would just limit it. Uh, I've got two other things. Mm-hmm. Daniil Hunter is amazing at football. And any offense that tries to block him with a tight end, yeah. the offensive coordinator should be put in a spaceship and sent to the sun. You should fire that person immediately. They shouldn't even coach another quarter. If your blocking scheme that you have dialed up yep. against the guy who has the most sacks ever at his age, ever, Yep. If that is your decision, if you're going to say, hey, Jesse James, you're six foot seven, you can block this really tall guy. You are a complete fool and you should be fired. That's and, Lions football. And that's Lions football, everyone. <laughs> you but, just you just gave a synopsis <laughs> of Detroit Lions football. Yes, you're a fool and you should be fired is going to be the NFL films when they do the recaps. Yep. And then it has a has a name that should be the name. Just show a rocket uh, ship going to the sun towards <laughs> yes. the sun and the Lions yes. uh, brain trust can be on board. However, yep. I will say Daniil Hunter, 50 sacks at age 25 is an unbelievable feat. This is a guy they drafted in the third round yep. and developed with this defensive line to be one of the best players in the NFL. And there really is no opinion on Daniil Hunter other than this is a guy who is about as humble as anyone you'll ever run across. He's quiet. He wants no attention whatsoever. And he does benefit from having Everson Griffin on the other side, but he benefits to the tune of sacking quarterbacks all the time. Most importantly, he, look at the contract still. Every day that contract becomes more remarkable. He signed a contract. I mean, most guys with his talent and skill would have been would have broken the bank, would have absolutely taken you to the the cleaners as far as your cap went. Right. And his contract that he signed, I mean, more power to him, I guess. But my God, if you look at what his value would be right now, if he hit the market compared to what he's being paid. It is an incredibly team-friendly contract for the Vikings. Okay, let me make this point, too. That, And we'll get to the cornerback rotation in a second. But the cornerbacks have not played all that well. Even today, Trey Waynes did not play very well. He got smoked on a couple of balls that David Blau actually got away when he was not getting sacked a bunch of times by Daniel Hunter. Sure. Um, but this is the reason that I say... Do not freak out that the defense isn't perfect because the defense is always capable of big plays. It's capable of big plays on third down. It's capable of big plays in the red zone because you have two of the best edge rushers in the NFL. And the problem should not be ignored. It's been catastrophic at times what's happened in the secondary. But when you have these game-changing players still on your defensive line and you go into the playoffs, you go into key games against Green Bay, possibly against Chicago, you still have that possibility here at U.S. Bank Stadium, especially of having either one of those guys take over a game and just win it themselves. And you don't even feel that concern about what's happening in the secondary, because every time you get to third and six, you know that Everson Griffin or Daniel Hunter is going to be sacking the quarterback. But the most important thing that, that you said is, and you're definitely right in this building, that's definitely the case in U.S. Bank Stadium on this turf. Those ends are fantastic. 
But, and this is my frustration today. So, and this is not all Detroit's fault, but you get David Blau, not their first, not their second, but their third string quarterback. You get no idea because those guys are so much better. I mean, David Blau on sack one or two, literally, Daniil Hunter's coming at him. He's looking right at Hunter, and instead of throwing the ball to the sidelines and saying, I'm not going to take the sack and lose yards, he sort of collapses like I would. So, you, you are right in this building and against David Blau. My, my problem is when you're playing in Seattle, Russell Wilson or possibly Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers. Again, this is a question to me about I want to know as much possibly about this team as I can going into the playoffs because right now I still see no way that you can win three games on grass sometimes, on the road for sure right now. So if you go in, to Green Bay in the wild card round of the playoffs and win that game, I wouldn't predict that you would, but I'm not going to be absolutely shocked. If you continue to win, I'm going to be floored. And I, I'm always looking for things that make me say, you know what, I might be wrong there, right? Like if you go in and beat Seattle or Kansas City, you might say to yourself, huh, I see a path here. But again, today gave me no reason to see that path. And so my frustration lies in trying to find things to identify as, as possible tells, but not getting any of them. All right, let me make a case then. Uh, I'll start with Mike Zimmer made a change, a very clear and obvious change in having a defensive back rotation with the three corners with Mike Hughes, Xavier Rhodes, and Trey Wayans. And right off the bat, we saw Rhodes come out for the first drive, but then Hughes came in right after him. And yes, Hughes did give up some catches as cornerbacks in the National Football League do, but overall, Hughes has had an okay season. And it said to me, yeah, you're going to see more of Mike Hughes as we go through the rest of this year, and I would like to see a lot more of Mike Hughes. I get asked all the time, what about Holton Hill? My focus is more on the guy who's the first-round pick because we know that he's got the burst explosiveness, the yeah. physical talent to be a top cornerback in the NFL because that's where he was drafted. And so far, he hasn't shown me, aside from one game at Dallas where they completed 11 of 17, it was it was still a lot of targets and a, and a good game by Dak Prescott throwing at him. Right. Aside from that, though, I think the guy has been pretty good, and I would like to see more of him, but it was a step in the right direction because you know why, Judd? The first step is acknowledging the problem. Hold on, hold on, wait, wait, wait. It is 1,000%. Turbo snark time, okay? This rotation today, how long have we talked about it? It's common sense. I give the Vikings zero credit for going to a rotation that we've talked about for a month, for sure for two weeks. But I think I think this goes back, Matthew, to a month ago saying Mike Hughes has to play. And what we constantly get back is Press got through with him 17 times. Okay, guess what? Do you think Xavier Rhodes is a big improvement there? And at least if you go to a rotation, you give yourself different chances. Now, the, the problem is that Hughes left today's game with an oblique problem. Rhodes, what, hurt his leg, we think, but Rhodes is hurt constantly, so you can't tell if that's going to be a potential week-to-week -week thing, if it's going to be long-term, if it's going to be short-term. But all of that being said, that rotation overdue by a of lot course. and that rotation should have been in place against russell wilson in seattle and the other problem is i can't give that rotation a thumbs up though because you were facing david blau well sure you sure i'm very frustrated by this I entire thing okay? i just i just think by the pure logic of it yes we have been calling for it for some time now i think i wrote the article maybe six weeks ago about how okay. roads had been struggling goes and back more than i thought then. yeah here's some potential answers because at 
He has been at the bottom of the NFL in all of his coverage grades by PFF and rating against and even ESPN's tracking stats for who the closest guy was, all that sort of stuff. He has been at the very bottom of the league for the entire season. So it hasn't just been a thing that popped up recently. We just noticed it the most against Seattle since there was the blown coverage and the meltdown on the sideline and and all that sort of stuff. But I would say that even if it takes longer to get around to it than it should have, Mm -hmm. they still have made the right decision and your confidence should be moved up by percentage points, not shoot through the roof, but by percentage points that they might be able to improve this as we go down the stretch. Now we're going to find out more. Uh, Phillip Rivers is kind of washed, but not entirely. So they can still throw the ball a little. They just find ways to get down by seven points at the end of every game. But they, but they can still throw the ball with Phillip Rivers. They've got weapons. We'll get a little bit of a view and there. And that's a road game, too, which should yep. m- make the test a little bit tougher. Yep, exactly. And then you've got Aaron Rodgers, and then you have the Bears that seem to have good performances against you. Even if they don't against anybody else all season, they seem to, uh, Matt Nagy, have some things that always gives the Vikings some trouble. So we will learn more about this rotation as we go forward. I just found it interesting that it started today, and to me it was Zimmer saying, okay, you guys were right. I did have to make a change here. I gave him every possible shot, and now things are going to be a little bit different going forward. Here's the other thing, too. Harrison Smith, beautiful interception on David Blau. David Blau, yikes, just all around. Wow, yikes. You're a number three quarterback, and this could be it for you. XFL, maybe. Tall order, yep. But a healthy-looking Harrison Smith with the burst to explode and jump up and make a great interception, that is huge for this team. He has always been the X factor. He's always been the guy that baffles quarterbacks and who can blitz. He made a great play in the run today, who can drop back deep in coverage. Which which is why the Rhodes blown coverage deal in Seattle was so maddening because looking at Harrison Smith like, you were supposed to be back and, and help me. What makes Harrison Smith such a great part of this defense is what I perceive the freelance ability that the head coach gives him yep. uh, to be at the line of scrimmage sometimes and then sometimes not to be and sometimes blitz, right? So what made that play what made that play so maddening to hear about with, well, Harrison Smith was supposed to help me. No, what makes Harrison Smith so great is nobody knows exactly where he's going to be, which means that if you can't keep up with your guy, i.e. Rhodes in Seattle, the frustration there is then what do you do here because Harrison Smith has to have, if you're going to win football games, the Harrison Smith that we saw today has to be him. Yep. If you're going to drop him back to play traditional safety to help out, you take away probably what, 75% of what makes him so oh, good. Yeah, no, I totally agree. So. And, and I I had trouble completely buying that whole thing exactly. Now I agree. I understand it probably was a coverage bust, but the fact that he couldn't catch up to a receiver that isn't all that good was a very concerning part of that, aside from them getting a communication thing wrong. Because I'm sure they've gotten communication things wrong in the past, but when you ran a 4-4, you could catch up to that guy. The ball floated anyway from Wilson, and Rhodes just couldn't run to catch up. Very smart on Mike Zimmer's part to start making a change there and see how it goes down the stretch. So when you get to the postseason, we might not see him playing very much at all when we get to the postseason. He is still a great tackler. So if it's a run situation, then you want him in for sure because he's a better tackler than Hughes. I wouldn't bench him entirely, but I I think you took a a step in the right direction. And if his leg is hurt now, he, he was already slowed greatly going into today's game. If he has a Charlie horse or a thigh problem now, you might 
I would say that that if you're going to be smart, you don't play him against the Chargers. And if he slowed at all from what we saw the guy in Seattle, how Rhodes played in that game, you have a decision to make big time about when exactly to use him because that guy had already slowed down. So if it's worse now, it's a real problem okay. as far as playing him goes. We'll just spend a couple minutes talking about Kirk Cousins today because we have to because he's the quarterback. Uh, played fine. He had really good numbers, 24 for 30, 242 yards, over eight yards per attempt, over 110 quarterback rating. Um, Kirk Cousins nearly threw one of the all-time Kirk Cousins interceptions, but he didn't, and Garrett Bradbury, for some reason, decided to catch it. He said he got hit as well. He, he said he was trying to, what, pop the ball over the defender to Rudolph, and at the last second, he got hit, and so he flailed forwards, and the ball sort of just popped out. Right, which he should have just been taking the sack Correct. anyway. Correct, because and in a playoff game, that's picked off, and it's a touchdown. Right. You are right. I right. agree completely with it's you. It's not the Lions. That's my only beef with Kirk Cousins today. Yeah. Aside from that, he played exactly the type of game that he needed to play, and I, I will say that Kevin Stefanski – and Gary Kubiak seem to have a really great feel for Kirk Cousins. I don't believe that John D. Filippo understood Kirk as a person. And, and sometimes you might be a genius with X's and O's. You might understand all the techniques, but if you don't understand the person, and this is where Kevin Stefanski's really great and probably where he'll succeed as a head coach, that he understands the person that Kirk Cousins is and how to kind of rein him in and how to make sure that he's playing the game he's supposed to play. So after they get up, then they go to, we're just running the ball all the time because this is where Kirk could get us in trouble with some sort of mistake, right? The Falcons uh, game. And, and also, knowing that his confidence, if he completes a drive at the end of the half, is going to be super high going forward because that's a key area where they were absolutely awful last year. Time management, the end of halves, things like that, they produce points against the Seahawks at the end of the half. They produce points here today. And this was no, uh, it's the Lions, LOL. This was a throw that was magnificent down the sideline to Stephon Diggs over Darius Slay, a very legit corner in the NFL. And they score on 42 seconds or something like that. They go 65 yards, 45 seconds. And, and I, th I just thought that that was big for Cousins to have, to understand, you know what, this guy probably wants to go for it right now. Or let's, let's trust Kirk to make that throw because that's the kind of throw that Kirk can make if he gets the right look. And... That's where Stefanski has been good all year, just pushing the right buttons, even in the games that they've lost. I thought it was a bad game for Stefanski against Chicago. But even against Kansas City, we had throwing off balance Kirk, and he found a way to start going to screen passes and things like that. Against Seattle, I would have a serious beef with the final play in Seattle. Aside from that, though, thought it was pretty well managed overall, that game when Kirk maybe wasn't exactly the sharpest I've ever seen him. And I just thought, as far as things that we take away, having a really good feel for your quarterback combined with your offensive coordinator right. is a takeaway from today. It sort of adds on to the pile of things that Stefanski has done well. So the Chiefs game, I didn't, I, I didn't like the approach to that game. But the last game that I would say uh, that the play callers get an F for is not the Chiefs game. I think the last F comes from the game at Soldier Field against the Bears, and that's the game where Kirk took the deep shot for Thielen downfield early in that game, and he missed it, and he should have hit it, but he, he missed. But we know for a fact, and we've seen it time and time again since then, that when given the opportunity, he can make that throw. 
But it was sort of like that day the plug was then pulled and he didn't make the throw and they all said, okay, that's it. That was your chance. Well, that's when Diggs basically said, this is BS, and Diggs was exactly right. And since then, I, I think that there has been a conscious effort that's been fairly con consistent, perhaps not 100%, but fairly consistent to realize that Cousins can make that throw. And in fact, that deep throw that he made to Diggs down the sideline today against Detroit might be his best throw. I think, a beautiful the, throw. I think the more touch, the more short touch that's required from Kirk, the more dicey it gets. But if you tell him, Kirk, it's it's man coverage and you got to come through. And by, by the way, we're going to give you a guy like Diggs, who is really good at making the catch and can do a great job of battling the cornerback. Kirk can make that throw. Kirk made that throw in the game at Detroit. He made that throw today. And so I do think that there has been far more of a conscious effort to say it can miss. And guess what? We got to go back to it. And Chicago was the last time where I really felt they said it missed. We're pulling the plug. And with Kirk Cousins, that is a major mistake. I think it tends to be with him all about whether you can find ways to make sure he's very comfortable in throwing the football. Um, because there are a lot of quarterbacks who, when they get pressured, they find a way to move themselves to be comfortable eventually. And, and a lot of times that might be on the run, but it's escaping the pocket and things like that, where Cousins is just not. And when you saw him today, he was able to drop back, set his feet, throw the ball. When he can do that, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the entire league. And that's where they're going to get tested a lot more these next three weeks. That's the big difference, aside from everything coaching uh, over the next few weeks, is I'm not the hugest Anthony Lynn fan as a coach, but, I mean, it's still a, a very talented team. Defensive line, Bosa, getting after your quarterback. And then Green Bay, they dominated you in Green Bay with Zadarius and Preston Smith. They can do that again, even if it's here. And then you talk about Chicago three times in a row. They've won because of their defensive line against the Vikings. That's where we'll find out how they make adjustments, especially in those last two games. Those are two teams that you've lost to in Green Bay and Chicago. How do you adapt? And Kirk Cousins talked about Detroit adapting. Well, they changed up their coverages this time. Like, congratulations. Do you want to change the coverage medal? I mean, just you could what, have put up 40 points. What, uh, yeah, it would have been easily 40 points if they had really pressed it. I mean, they ran on fourth and three to just give the ball back to Detroit and let them run the clock out, basically, at oh, the yeah. end of the game. Oh, I mean, Detroit was a mess. Yes. I, Cousins was talking about how you know, we took them really seriously, and I have no doubt that you did, but you guys didn't even have to in a game like today. I got a theory for you. Regarding Belichick assistants who get head coaching jobs, who pretty much across the board, always fail. My theory is this. Belichick is so good and such a controlling presence that these assistants aren't required to really... Now, that doesn't mean... I'm not saying that they're not good X's and O's football coaches, okay? But beyond that, as far as them being in control of anything, including the players, I don't think they are because... How many Belichick assistants have we seen who clearly have no control of their team? Patricia, who I think is a doofus. I don't think he's a good guy. Not at all. Romeo Cornell, I think, was a good guy. I liked him. I think he was a good guy. No control, though, right? Um, Josh McDaniels. Mangini, too. Wasn't Man Mangini yeah. one of his but, guys? But when's the last time that you could tell me a Belichick assistant got a job and you felt had control? Yeah. Undisciplined penalties, undisciplined teams, and really guys uh, or teams that by this point in a lot of seasons have decided, you know what we're done doing? Playing football. Yeah. I think uh, only Houston, but I don't think their coach is good. I think their quarterback is generally okay. awesome. Yeah. yeah. And, Who Belichick and, hates, by the way. And that's right. Because he probably might have tried to control things. Right. And he's 
and he finally beat you know Belichick the other night. So, um, although a, a meltdown from Houston today, which was weird, but that's kind of classic Houston. Sure. Anyway, so uh, my theory on this would be twofold. Number one, my guess would be that Bill Belichick, when you work for him, you have a very specific job. You have a very specific assignment as the defensive coordinator, as the linebackers coach. And we'll see how Brian Flores does when they actually give him some players to use uh, in Miami. But your job in the Belichick bubble versus being a head coach is so vastly different. Even Mike Zimmer has had to find out how to even talk to the public from the time he was a defensive coordinator for so long and then now he's got to answer questions about everything and I think it's taken until now for him to be comfortable with that I mean being a head coach is just so much different everyone's problem is your problem from top to bottom injuries are your problem the heartbeat of the team is your problem not just the heartbeat of your room or on your side or it's not just grinding tape or coming up with coverages and things like that it's managing people and that's where I think a lot of these guys struggle it's definitely where I'm guessing Matt Patricia struggles he's the guy who had them practice outside before a dome game last year like you're just a fool and then they trade away Golden Tate because he doesn't like him hey you know who they could have used this year Golden Tate Absolutely. you know who they could have used today Quadre Diggs a good player good safety they, they trade, trade away in season right yep. that both of them shockingly to yep. Seattle for no I don't know why yep and then he played great the other night against yep. the Vikings you're so right. uh you know thanks for doing that, but he's run guys out of town. But think about the pattern. Yep. Like if it was just one Belichick guy, I'd be like, okay, that guy just stinks. But the pattern is consistently the same thing. And I also think, too, that a major part of it is that Tom Brady not only is really amazing at football until recently, but amazing, amazing at football. I think Brady also runs everything. I think everyone goes in there knowing exactly who is in charge of everything on the offensive side. And then on the defensive side, Belichick has long been a brilliant, brilliant head coach, a brilliant defensive coach working for Parcells in the 80s and 90s. I mean, so you get a lot of help if you're Matt Patricia from Bill Belichick, brilliant defensive mind. And then you have one of the great leaders in the history of all sports, Tom Brady, on the other side. I mean, it's kind of a, a perfect cocktail for them creating their own culture. But if you try to bring that other places, a lot of guys are going to be like, whoa, whoa, where's the credibility to talk to me that way or or to, right. to, to demand that I run wind sprints in OTAs or whatever they did. And, of course, early in the season it got out there, oh, no, Patricia, he's figured out how to communicate with these guys. Well, I saw a lot of guys giving up today on the Lions side, not really trying. So um, if you're a Vikings fan, if you are a Vikings player, you are rooting hard. You don't want to win by that much today. You want to you you keep it light, 20 to 7. Okay, you didn't lose by that I was much. Say, that's Lions, a pretty good job. That's yeah, just a 13 point that's right. win. That's not bad. Just, just like Mitch Trubisky in Chicago. You want to make sure that uh, or you want to be rooting for him to put up some numbers. Hey, get those 300-yard games so they stick Has with Mitch him. not looked really good of late, huh? okay? Uh, those yeah, short right. passes are yep. beautiful. Exactly. Well, and also playing against a Dallas team that's quit on their coach and a Detroit team, you tend to look a little better. So, okay, that's it for today. <laughs> I've got nothing else because this game was brutal and I am super mad about missing San Francisco and New Orleans. Just mad. Just I super mad. Actually, might go back and try and watch that entire game. That was was the 2019 version of the 2018 Chiefs Rams game, right? Yes. Yep. It was the game of the year, and we sat here. It wouldn't be so bad if we had sat here and watched a halfway decent football game. 
But uh, alas, we didn't come close to doing that. And uh, the Vikings get a win that tells me nothing. And okay. I know fans are going to say, who cares? A win's a win. I'm going to get that one T- tomorrow. Uh, I'm sure, get yeah, one. it is. And good, you know what? They won the game. That's fine. But man, would I have liked to watch this game and said, ah, that's impressive. You really came back after the Seattle game. Do you know how hard you would have had to work to lose today? I think you would have had to not yes. show up at U.S. Bank Stadium. Be- because almost at any point, if the Lions had started to threaten, you could have been like, oh, okay, oh, here's a touchdown. Like, I mean, their, their defense yes. is just so bad. And, I mean, at some times, and this is just, I guess, what the standard is against a defense this bad, at some times there was a lack of execution occasionally, but your quarterback only incompleted six passes. I mean, you could do whatever you want out there for the most part. Yep. Um, Kirk could talk about their mixed coverages as much as he wants, but he knows that he had people open all day long. So, yeah, uh, no criticism for beating the Lions the way you did. You did exactly what you were supposed to do. Now on to more interesting games Thank goodness. Uh, two to four every day. Sage Rosenfels, Alex Boone, Courtney Cronin. Uh, we got lots going on, and I'm actually going to be in L.A. at the end of the week, so it'll be like Collar live from L.A. So that'll be oh, fun. Yeah, you are really an L.A. guy, aren't it'll, you? It'll be. Uh, you yeah, know, wear your white you white could, shoes out there. You're going to take your. Uh, you can tell by my skin complexion that I am definitely an L.A. guy. Oh, no question about it. <laughs> you at the Viper Room, I can barely wait. Uh, yeah, they're going to. Hardly wait. I, I will be spotted easily by the Los Angeleans that I am from Paparazzi. out of town. They're all no, over. I, no, I just meant because I'm so white. Uh, all right. Well, that's the end of that. All right. We got to go. So we will catch you every day from two to four. See you then. Purple Daily.